It's late at night and you're staying up, trying to keep your night shift schedule. You're working tomorrow's midnight shift, so you're channel surfing at 2 a.m. What are you going to watch? If you're scrolling through what's on now, there just aren't a ton of options. And then there it is. The cop movie. You see the hero trying to run down some violent drug ring, but somehow the criminals are always one step ahead. Then that guy shows up on screen. The character is some detective, a cop who's friends with our hero. And... We know how this ends, right? The bad guy is most likely going to be the cop friend. See, right now, there's a feeling in society that we also see depicted in those cop movies we watch. This feeling is that there are no good cops. Now, that just isn't true. And if that's the case, which I know it is, then where have all the good cops gone? It's time to start telling our own stories. I'm Steve Kellums, and welcome to Blue Canary. Me asking where have all the good cops gone may be a bit misleading. There are a ton of good and even great cops working the streets today. What's actually missing is we aren't getting good applicants, and that's what this episode is going to dig into. Being in law enforcement used to mean something. People used to respect the police, and to say they would line up out the doors looking for those cop jobs isn't far from the truth. But nowadays, the reality is much different. Why is that? Before we go forward to today, I want to share some quick story of me entering the police force. See, in 1990, I went out for the Bloomington Police Department. I had just completed the Indiana University Law Enforcement Academy, and college was wrapping up. And with that law enforcement certification under my belt, I decided it was time for a full-time police job. So I completed the 29-page application and waited for information on the hiring process. It was a cold November morning when I showed up at Bloomington South High School to complete the hiring process. We were all ushered out to the football field to begin the physical assessment test. Before we got started, the captain stood in front of the group. He looked around and said, We have three openings on the department and there are 304 of you taking the test. I can look around and already tell which one of you is going to fail. He then smirked and walked off, turning the test over to those younger officers there. And I remember looking around and sizing up my competition. I got him. I got him. I got him. I hope he's stupid. Yeah, I also remember throwing up after the mile and a half run, not because I was out of shape, but because I was trying to beat 301 other candidates. And I left it all on the field that day. Now, flash forward 28 years later, and I'm captain at BPD run in the hiring process. I have three openings on the department and 34 people showed up to take the test. That's right. 34, not 304. That's a big difference. And that difference is something departments are experiencing across the United States. And don't worry. I had a better opening speech than the old captain did. Now, the number of applicants isn't the only thing that has dropped. The overall number of police officers have declined as well. Before we get ahead of ourselves, let's take a step back and see how we got here. Hang on for today's history lesson, or should I say, math lesson. The Bureau of Justice Statistics reported a drop in the number of officers in the U.S. from 2.42 police officers per 1,000 residents to 2.17 officers per 1,000 residents. That means fewer cops on the streets to answer calls for service. Now, as the number of officers decline, and maybe it's more accurate to say plummet, the necessity to hire more cops is greater than ever. 
departments are losing about 10 to 15% of their officers every year. Officers are leaving because they're retiring, they're leaving for better paying cop jobs, and they're leaving because they just can't do it anymore. While the number of cops drop, the calls for service do not. They continue to rise and the necessity for police is greater than ever. With more cop jobs available, it would seem that more people would move in and try to fill those jobs. Unfortunately, that isn't the case. Now, as the need for police has increased, the number of people wanting to do the job has decreased. Recruiting numbers are down 85% across the U.S. with no improvement in sight. Now, why have our applicant numbers dropped so much? Now, there are a lot of factors at play here, and many of them intertwine, but let's break it down into some basics to make it easier to understand. First is the economy. More jobs, more options, more money. Why would someone take a difficult, stressful, dangerous job working in a toxic environment to make an average of about $55,000 a year? If the economy is good, no one wants to be a cop. Now, if the economy is bad, people tend to gravitate towards governmental jobs. Government-secured jobs are popular when the economy is bad because, as a general rule, they don't get laid off. Except that's not entirely true for police. When the economy gets bad, it's not uncommon for governments to cut police funding first, and that means no new cops. In 2011, police departments were struggling to hire officers, but not because of the lack of applicant interest, but because of the lack of funding to hire the officers. Governments were cutting police budgets, and even police officers in some states, I'm looking at you, Michigan. Remember in 2011, we had been in a serious recession for several years and government spending was far exceeding its resources. When faced with cutting your pet project or laying off police officers, well, politicians often don't hesitate to force police agencies to do more with less. But by 2017, the economy had turned the corner and now the problem wasn't necessarily funding for the police departments, but finding qualified applicants, which takes me back to the question, Why would you take a police job with all its difficulties when you can make more money doing an easier job? The economy plays a big part in the lack of applicants. The next problem, and this one is a real doozy, is the negative perception of police officers. See, many young people looking for a career or a profession don't gravitate towards policing because of the perception the profession holds. The press isn't any better. Acting Police Chief Marcus Jones said, when you do a job that's being highly criticized on a daily basis, we have to ask ourselves, how do we find good candidates that really want to be under that type of scrutiny? And that's a good question. Everyone remembers where they were on September 11th, when the towers came down. I was working night shift as a patrol officer. I got off shift at 6 a.m., and usually I was in bed by 6.30 and trying to get as much sleep as possible before I had to get up and do it all again. That morning, I had to drop my car off for service, and I couldn't get it in until 10 a.m. So I got home, grabbed a cup of coffee, and sat on the couch, watching the news and trying not to fall asleep. Needless to say, I didn't get the car in for service that day. That night work was surreal. We didn't take a call for service. Even the bad guys stayed home. And those of us working sat around the station house and watched the news, and I remember how we all wanted to go and help. There was this overwhelming need to drive to New York and do something. Now, working night shift always kind of wound down about 4 a.m., and several of the officers would go to this greasy spoon diner that would open at about 5 a.m. And we'd sit around the same round table in the corner every morning and drink coffee and chill a little before the end of the shift. 
the morning after the towers came down, it was a somber place. And as we were all quietly sitting there, staring at our coffee, a man got up from across the room and he walked over to us. He stuck out his hand and he said, I just want to thank you for what you do. Now, I'd been a cop for 12 years when those towers came down. And during that time, no one had ever thanked me for being a cop. It took 65 police officers to die in one day before someone realized the importance of our job. Now, the press loved us for a week, but most people don't remember what happened a week later. The leading story on the news the following week involved an LAPD officer who had arrested a 16-year-old male at a gas station. And after handcuffing the male, he had him laid over the trunk of the police car and punched the handcuffed juvenile in the face three times, all on video. They hated us again. I also remember as much as I wanted to drive to New York and help, I wanted to drive to L.A. and punch the officer in the face. Given a choice, the media will always run with the negative story. Well, almost always. The press focuses on negative stories and issues regarding law enforcement. Approximately 0.0135% of officers commit crimes each year. And those numbers are skewed because they fail to take into account that of those officers who are arrested for committing crimes, 85% of them are repeat offenders. Now, how is that possible, you ask? Well, the administration failed to take proper action. <laughs> I know, that surprises you. So those numbers are incredibly low for malfeasance with police officers. But the media's attack on law enforcement started in the 70s and it hasn't let up. And when you look at your new applicants, they grew up on a steady diet of media telling them that the cops are evil. The second issue we face in recruitment is the misconception that the younger generation doesn't have the skills necessary to be in law enforcement. Now, this is a misconception that hits us from both sides, the applicant and the department. And when an applicant is looking for a career, they see police officers being too regimented with no opportunities to stand out. They feel like they'll not be able to make a difference because they'll be stuck in a top-down structure that gives them no freedom. Departments, they look at those incoming applicant pools and they see a group that has not had to overcome any challenges with poor communication skills. They want to avoid face-to-face -face confrontations and would prefer to live in a virtual world. And to some extent, both sides have a point. But these misconceptions are unfair. For starters, younger generations want to stand out in a crowd, and you can do that at a police department. Now, while it's true that the traditional police uniform can make you feel a little bit like a worker bee, there are a ton of opportunities within law enforcement agencies to stand out, from the wide variety of specialties to just being the critical cop in the neighborhood, which is the cornerstone of community policing. There is no reason you have to blend in. Younger generations are technologically savvy. And cops are just a bunch of knuckle draggers. You see, but this isn't your grandpa's police department. A typical patrol car will have radios, moving radar, video cameras, mobile data terminals with computer-aided dispatch, crime predictive software, CCTV monitoring devices, and GPS to include hotspot mapping. And that's all from the driver's seat. Another component to consider for future applicants is their desire for a career with a sense of purpose, a career where they can make a difference. Now, you would think this is a no-brainer, but again, we're faced with breaking down those barriers and myths created by the news towards law enforcement. There is no more selfless job than law enforcement. And if you do this right, there's nothing finer you could do with your life. You make a difference every single day. Another misconception is that while this generation learns skills quickly, they lack patience. 
Most police departments have slow growth and movement, and that's because of the governmental bureaucracy it's mired in, and there's little that can be done about that. But if a new officer can have some patience, they will likely excel, and before they realize it, they'll be right where they want to be at the department. To summarize, applicant numbers are down because of the economy, the negative perception of law enforcement, and the belief that the younger generation doesn't have the skills necessary for police work. So how do we fix it? We have to pay cops more. And we also know that pay is not everything. Regardless, if you are going to ask a group of people to undergo extensive training, annual mandated training, work a highly stressful and dangerous job in a toxic environment, and never make any mistakes, then you'd better pay them more than what is now considered 10% below the national average salary. That's right, 10% below the national average salary. Next, we have to fight back against the negative perceptions of law enforcement. We cannot rely upon Hollywood or the news media to tell our stories. I'll come back to this. So for too long, police departments have simply taken it. When attacked in the media, we might release a statement trying to share facts and information, but the media will not print it, and no one will ever hear the truth. Instead, the public is left with the perception that we are incompetent at best and evil at worst. Departments need to hire social media experts to create massive social media presence. Stop releasing stories to the traditional media who will only provide what portions fit their own narratives. We need to start being our own press by providing the public with information about who you are and why you do the things you do. Now, these are not perfect, so we don't stop there. Our public information officers should be on the radio at your local radio stations. They should be a frequent visitor to the local television stations, and they should start building rapport with your local reporters to help get those positive stories out to the public. Running citizens' police academies, explorer groups, police athletic associations, and youth camps will also build up positive relationships in the communities where we live that will last for generations. Another important step is to build a family environment where the officer's well-being and the well-being of the community comes first. The officers are not just furniture, but a valuable part of the organization. Their ideas should be heard, and they should be allowed to participate at all levels of the organization. And if your organization is small, then shift meetings or even department-wide meetings to share information and keep everyone on board can help. And if your department is large, then shift or squad representatives that meet with the administration not to share grievances like a union, but to share the vision of the department like a family. And finally, we need to work on attacking those skill sets and focusing our agencies on the needs of the younger generation. Stop doing things because we've always done it this way and start making changes for the future. If you're interested in specific ways to do this, shoot me a message on Facebook and we'll share with you my advice on how to address these needs. So now, where have all the good applicants gone? Well, they're out there. They just don't know it yet. Now it's up to us to go find them. And that's the story we have to start telling. If it wasn't for my generous sponsors, I wouldn't be able to tell my stories or help you tell yours. Let's take a quick break and hear from one. Help your team rise to increasing expectations with Agency 360's cloud-based software. Whether it is for the training of new employees or annual performance evaluations, Agency 360 can help trainers and supervisors streamline documentation, create consistency, and communicate clearly. Help retention by setting the tone and culture early with Agency 360. Learn more at Agency360.com. 
That's A-G-E-N-C-Y 360.com. In this section today, I'm going to talk about Hollywood's perception of the police. The days of police shows on TV showing law enforcement as positive role models is gone. No more Dragnet or Adam-12 or even Chips. I'm, I'm talking about the TV show, not the movie. For years, Hollywood has portrayed police as philanderers, misogynists, alcoholics, and addicts who come from broken homes, can't maintain relationships, and love to break the law to enforce the law. And they're the favorite bad guys. Something big happened recently. With the civil unrest and the anti-police protest after the murder of George Floyd, Paramount Network canceled Cops, the long-running reality police show. And by long-running, I mean 33 seasons. The A&E Network's Live PD, which showed reality policing uh, live on TV, was also canceled, even after the network had previously ordered 160 more episodes. Okay, maybe that's reasonable after all the issues and problems going on. Maybe they shouldn't have TV shows that focus on police officers doing their jobs so that everyone can see what really goes on. See, transparency is only championed when it meets our expectations. But wait, it gets better. Paw Patrol. It's an animated show for kids that airs primarily on the Nickelodeon network. A young boy named Ryder works with his friends who are dogs that represent first responders to solve problems. The dogs represent police officers and firefighters and EMTs and pilots. And the protesters came after them as well. Calls for the cancellation of Paw Patrol included statements of, quote, euthanize the police dog, unquote, quote, defund Paw Patrol, unquote. Quote, all dogs go to heaven except the clash traders in the Paw Patrol, unquote. I mean, come on, it's a kid's show. But critics didn't stop there. They immediately started claiming that Hollywood portrays cops as the good guys and that the good guy trope is not accurate, that police are harmful and evil, and we should be ashamed to present them in a good light. I couldn't make this up. Now, as I've already pointed out, the exact opposite is going on in the entertainment industry. The fact that the subtlety of the negative portrayal is lost on protesters makes me wonder at their ability to apply critical thinking. Want to know what the showrunners think of you? Here are some tweets from Tom Sharpling, a writer, director, producer, and actor. Now, he is best known for producing the TV show Monk. Now, he tweeted, quote, if you, as I have, worked on a TV show or movie in which police are portrayed as lovable goofballs, you have contributed to the larger acceptance that cops are the implicitly the good guys. Most shows don't portray the brutal shit, much less the racism that goes on daily, unquote. He went on in another tweet to say, quote, I worked on Monk. That's what we did. Goofy good guy cops for eight seasons. Not saying you should be necessarily be ashamed of your work. It's comedy entertainment. I get it, but we need to be mindful of the implications of this attitude going forward, unquote. And finally, his third tweet in the series, quote, we also need to pay up. If you made your living portraying cops as harmless heroes, consider giving money to support what is right and just to contribute to actual change. Here's a site that splits donations between worthwhile organizations, unquote. And he gives a link. Now, the organizations he wants you to support, while not entirely, are overwhelmingly anti-law enforcement. That's who's running Hollywood. A number of Hollywood actors and actresses, including some very big names, also donated to anti-police agencies and organizations. 
Now, I do agree with Sharpling on one thing. If you're going to make your living writing, directing, producing, or portraying cops on TV or in the movies, and you hold these opinions, then you should stop doing it. I'm sure you can find another gig. As for those of you listening, because I don't expect a group of individuals who have made so much money off of us, but detest us so much to listen to a police podcast, what should we be doing about it? Well, first, I'm not going to tell you to not watch TV. I mean, if I didn't watch TV or or movies or television shows that had an actor I didn't agree with in the show, then I wouldn't turn the damn thing on. I do not like Alec Baldwin as a person, nor do I share any of his beliefs. But I think he's a great actor, and I enjoy a number of movies that he's been in over the years. Just be careful with what you support. If you don't agree with the people running the show, then don't watch. Don't work with or for those show business people who have made their feelings known. As they stand up and proclaim a hatred for police, they will turn around and follow their security detail back home. You know who makes up that security detail? You do. Off-duty cops. Stop working for them. Maybe Karen on Facebook can provide security for them. Stop working as consultants in the movie and TV shows. Now, every one of these police procedurals hire police consultants. Now, some are retired cops who really know how to inject some realism in the shows. Others are ex-cops for a variety of reasons and may or may not know what they're talking about. May seem like a cool job to watch a TV show get made and be a part of that. But at its core, it's negative to police. And you don't want to be a part of tearing who you are down. Take a public information officer class. Many of these courses will help you interact with the media specifically the news media, so that you can understand all of the tactics they use to beat you up. Now, understanding things like no comment or off the record and and we are not recording can go a long way to letting you deal properly and professionally with people who don't like you. And finally, tell your own stories. Any chance you get, don't let other people define you. And if you need help, just let me know. I'll tell them for you. Thank you for joining. As always, I'm curious what questions you're getting asked. What isn't the news covering? What story needs to be told? Connect with me at bluecanarypodcast at gmail.com.